Hi, and welcome to the next brave thing. I am here with my friend Brianna Miller. Welcome. Thank you, Ella. Happy to be here. It's so fun. So Brianna actually um, comes in and helps me teach my class, uh, the Wholehearted Artist at Bethel Conservatory of the Arts. She is a designer and she's married to Marcus Miller, who will also be on the podcast. But I'd love you to share a little bit about your background as a creative. Um, and for our audience, we are talking about shame-free creativity today. So yeah, tell us a little bit about you, Brie, and um, yeah, we'll get it, dive right in. Yes. Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me here, Ella. Oh, it's a huge pleasure. honor to be on this podcast, and I'm super excited to talk to everyone about shame and what it looks like what it looks like to wrestle with shame and self-value and self-compassion yes. in a creative environment and in a professional world. Yes. And that's been a huge part of my journey has been figuring out the value of that. And so, so yeah, I'm really excited yeah. to be here. Um, but anyway, a bit about me. So I am a graphic designer and I've been working in the design industry for almost 10 years now. And I, let's see, I went to school for design, college, um, and I got my major in visual communication design. And since then, I've been doing a ton of different types of design. I first worked at um, a church and nonprofit, and I did a lot of events and branding and in video stuff with them. And then I went on from there and I started working at Facebook. And I spent my last um, two years working in the tech industry and got a fully different like side of design. And that's been a beautiful experience too because I've learned how, how to be creative in a really demanding and fast-paced environment and how to steward creativity and steward my heart in an environment that demands excellence all the time and that is very seen in the work that you're doing. Like it yeah. goes out to the world and everybody witnesses it. And yeah. so I've worked in a lot of different environments um, and I've done work from branding to a lot of illustration work, um, a lot of partnering with, uh, with motion designers and doing animated things. And honestly, what I can say is from all the different environments I've been in, I've seen how how shame can attach itself to creativity and yes. I've seen how every single creative I've worked with every single designer has had this battle inside of them and it shows up differently for different people but um, I think it's such a relevant topic to be talking about how shame atta attacks creatives and how we can actually steward our hearts in it yeah that's so good mm -hmm. and just for our audience shame is the feeling of um, Brene Brown calls it like the swampyard of the soul it's like <laughs> yes. the feeling of like oh I'm not good enough like it's the I'm not good enough thing. And two yeah. functions of shame is scarcity and comparison. So as artists, and I coach a lot of people who are creatives and artists in the film and um, musical industry, and they struggle with this very thing. And especially around like, um, even on social media, posting their work. I love your story about hand lettering. So do you want to share that yes, story Brie. absolutely so i i grew up with a lot of shame 
And it took me a long time to be able to recognize how shame showed up in my creative work. Cause I think for so long, I just felt completely, completely unaware of how the two affected each other. I mm. thought there was my heart on one side, the shame in my heart over here, and then completely separate was my creative work. Um, so in my early twenties, I, I was driven by shame in what I did. And this came up for me a lot in design. Um, and so I started hand lettering when I was around 20 years old and I had just like, maybe I was 21 or 22 actually. I just finished design school. I had got my first job working in the design field and, um, I spent a lot of time working on computers with logos and all that, but I never did anything with my hands, never drew. And one year for Christmas, I got this really nice sketchbook and a set of beautiful pens. And I had this like overwhelming creative inspiration well up inside of me. And I was like, I want to be a hand letterer. And so I remember like just sitting down with my sketchbook and my pens and drawing for hours and I got obsessed. And I think like there's this thing that probably every creative has felt in the first stages of creativity. Yeah. It's this like overwhelming curiosity mm -hmm. and this playfulness to try new things out, to make messes and, and almost like a superhuman power to be able to just do whatever that creative thing is for hours on end and never tire. Yes. And that was me with hand lettering. I wanted to draw every type of letter possible. I wanted to write quotes. And, and so I just started in this like messy, vulnerable place of playing with letters. And as I practiced hand lettering, I got this really brilliant idea to start an Instagram account. And on this account, I thought I'll post work I'm doing every week. I'll post in progress stuff and I'll be able to just like share it with my friends so they can follow along on my journey of hand lettering. And so I started posting every week and at first my... First, my lettering wasn't that great. I had like a hundred followers of friends and everything was rough and fun. I posted all the time, but gradually I started getting better at lettering and I started getting more followers. I started getting featured on um, hand lettering accounts on Instagram and I started getting tons of offers. Um, offers in my email inbox, people asking me to work on hand lettering projects for them, to put my designs on shirts, to, I started having companies reach out to me and ask me like, can we send you our products so you can feature them on your account? And gradually I, I just like started getting more and more and more followers. And I got to this point where it was interesting. Um, I, my people pleasing outweighed my joy with creativity. Yeah. And I started pressuring myself with every piece I made, feeling like this has to be better than the last one. This has to be more intricate than the last one. I need to make more beautiful letters and they need to be unique in something I've never done before. And I started pushing myself further and further and further, which with each like, with each piece I lettered until eventually each piece was like 20 hours of work, maybe more. They were so intricate. Wow. And sure, I was really good at it, but I had completely lost my creative spark. I lost yeah. my joy. I'd lost my love for it. And I was so caught up in, in what do people think? Yes. People like this work. I have to keep doing more of wow. it. 
people did did enough people like it on Instagram did I get followers for this piece did I lose followers for this piece and I got to the point where I was completely stifled and it hit me suddenly where all of a sudden I was like I can't even pick up a pen to draw Mm. because I feel dead inside every time I try and at the time I couldn't see that this was actually my own dysfunction my own shame that was Mm. hindering me at the time And I think it's so easy to do this as artists. At the time, I just thought, like, I have creative block. I am burnt out. And and I had no self-awareness beyond that to see how my own dysfunctions were actually hindering me. And so what that looks like in my early 20s was that I just stopped. Like, I stopped drawing. I stopped doing any sort of passion projects for myself and I completely ignored my Instagram and had more and more shame as I ignored it longer and longer I would feel like okay it's been a week since I posted now it's been two weeks now it's been a month now it's been two months and I had this deep feeling of shame where I felt like I had failed to the point where I couldn't even I couldn't do anything I felt I felt frozen um And it's crazy looking back because now I can see that actually shame and people pleasing is something I've struggled with my whole life. Mm. And it actually comes from a place of not valuing myself, of believing that I'm bad, of believing I need to prove myself to people. And that dysfunction, that pain showed up in my creativity. But I think so often we have this thing inside of us where it's like we can't see how our own dysfunctions could be affecting our work. Yes. And at the time, I couldn't see it. So I just wrote it off feeling like, now I hate hand lettering. Now I'm burnt out. Now I can't do this anymore. Instead of actually seeing it as an invitation, Mm. an invitation to look under the surface, to dig a little deeper, to ask myself questions. Why do I care so much what people think? Why do I feel burnt out? Why did I lose my curiosity here? And... Mm. Yeah, so I've yeah. been on a long journey since then, yeah. but um, but I think it's been a lot of like a slow uncovering process and a slow realizing that that the things I struggle with actually do affect my creativity. Yes, and we're not compartmentalized, so where we mm-hmm. felt shame when we were little it does affect like how we create and what we produce yes. in the world. Um, so just to help people understand what shame is a little bit more, how does it show up in creativity? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think shame, shame really to me, it's like self-judgment. It's that thing yeah. that says, I did something bad, so I am bad. Yeah. Or, or on the flip side, I did something good, so I am good. Like, I think shame is judgment of ourselves, mm-hmm. so whether that judgment is good or whether it's bad. And I think the trick with, um, with stepping out of shame and creativity is being able to step out of that good-bad system and that good-bad yes. dialogue into, into seeing who I am is valuable and who I am is enough. That's not intrinsically good or bad. It's just saying that I have value. And so I see shame show up in creativity when we let ourselves, um, when we play into that dialogue of, for me, for me when I was in my early 20s, it was a bunch of people liked my post on Instagram. It got featured. So I am a success. I Mm. am really, really good Mm -hmm. because this thing was successful. And on the flip side, when people didn't like my work, I felt like, I'm a failure. 
Yeah. I'm not creative enough. I'm not good enough. And I think that shame t- causes us to take our self-worth and to entwine it with the work that we're making. Mm-hmm. And when your self-worth is entwined with your work, it's you're going to have a lot of high and low swings. Yes. And it's impossible to be at peace with yourself when every when your worth is up for debate mm-hmm. every time you put a piece of work out there. And I think, um, I think I see this so much in creatives where actually it's like we are almost addicted to the system of shame. Yes. And it's interesting because I think people, people partner with shame because it has a payoff. And we partner with shame because it can feel like a friend to us. Wow. And so if it was all bad all the time, we wouldn't partner with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what shame does is... I mean, I like to think of shame as an abusive boyfriend. Um, it like can beat you up. It can talk down to you. It can tell you that you're terrible. But then it can be really nice to you. It can make you feel special. <laughs> Just special enough so that you stick around. Yes. And I think that that is so how shame is as a cycle. Yes. Shame, shame can beat you down and tell you, like, you did this and it was bad, so you're bad. You slipped up here, you're a failure. Mm. People didn't like this about you, so you don't get to like you. It's these identity statements. But on the flip side, um, when we're not settled with our identity and with who we are, shame then can also feel like this exhilarating high mm-hmm. because it can cause ourselves, it can cause us to judge ourselves as good as well. So if I have um, a creative piece that succeeds, all of a sudden I get to say, I'm amazing. I'm a success because this worked. I'm a success because people saw me. I'm a genius because people said that this was like new and unexpected. And it causes us to go through these extreme highs and lows. Um, And the reason that we keep partnering with it is because of the highs. Mm -hmm. Because the highs feel, they're not actually authentic self-love, but they can feel like that. They can feel like a drug saying, you get to feel really good when you've done something really good. Yeah. And I think um, creativity is this really performance-driven industry. And so and so it's based on these ideas of when your work is good, you're good. When your work is bad, you're bad. And my goal as a creative is always to separate myself from my work, which means I know that my work is going to be judged. And part of getting better, part of pushing myself in the industry is having work judged and, um, and yeah. knowing that it actually pushes me to come up with more original content. It pushes me to, to make better designs. It pushes me to excellence. But the problem is if every time my work is judged, I judge myself, Yes. then I'm not going to end up in a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see so many creatives who are entwined with their work where, where any time they experience judgment, they then judge themselves. And I think that's the part that can be detrimental. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And I, I um, life coach um, an actress, and, well, a lot of actors and actresses, and, and the thing that they talk about is like they will do a performance and they will get the, it's like a drug, like a, high, a huge high because everybody's seeing them. They're like feeling amazing. 
and then like I'll have a client who'll be like, but then I went I went out and I like drank so much and I binge ate everything and I'm like, I don't know why I can have such like a high and then have such a crash because it's kind of like a sugar sugar high this this idea of shame kind of driving us even though it's like a, oh I feel good it's kind of like the boyfriend analogy for sure um, but yeah there's always like a crash to it um, so how would we like create a greater sense of self-value so that we're not living in these highs and lows that you're talking about yeah um, I mean I think the biggest thing well a few things I think first and foremost is we need to get self-aware and yeah. we need to be able to look at ourselves and to figure out like, what does shame for me look like in yes. creativity? Cause I think that, I think that so often we have this picture of like a tormented artist and mm. the tormented artist has extreme highs and lows, big emotional swings. They might yeah. have an addiction or something, depression, something like that. And all of that is really real, but it that's not what everyone's pain shows up as. And I think that torment it can look it can look big and dramatic but it can also look small and confined and yes. withdrawn and it depends on who you are and how shame shows up for you. And so for me like in in my early 20s I couldn't see that I was actually living out my own version of a tormented artist cuz I had yes. this picture in my head. I couldn't see that for me shame looks like perfectionism. Shame looks like silence mm -hmm. it looks like staying small um and and ultimately frozenness frozenness this thing in yes. me that said i can't <laughs> look at what i'm doing i can't even make a move because shame shame is keeping me so small here and i think that the first step for for anyone with um with starting to tackle shame and creativity is to figure out what does shame look like for me in my moments of shame as an artist how does it show up um it could show up in any of those ones i just said it might be comparison or jealousy or um people pleasing lack of boundaries um it could look like an overinflated sense of self-worth because mm. because you know, that is just a response to actually not feeling good enough inside, not feeling like I'm enough. So I have to project this, this false sense of self that I'm amazing. Mm -hmm. um, it could look like so many different things. And so I would challenge anyone who struggles with this to sit down and actually identify like, what does my shame look like? How does this show up? Because the first thing you can do is be self-aware so that you can spot when it's happening. So that in those moments, either of highs or lows, you can be like, oh, hold up. I'm in shame mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. What's going on? And I think like the next step is really just asking questions, figuring out what's going on underneath the surface. Whether it's I just crashed and I'm feeling like a failure, I'm in a depression, like asking myself, why? What happened? What What am I believing about myself? Where did I judge myself? Or or whether you just had a huge success and you feel like you're over the moon and you have a hugely overinflated ego, you're mm -hmm. up on a pedestal. Those moments too can be driven by shame. And so for me, it's been a huge learning experience to actually catch myself on the shame highs in the moments where I feel amazing and learn and learn to ask what's going on underneath the yeah. surface 
where did I lose myself? Where did I judge my identity? Where have I been feeling insecure? Why, why does the success feel so good right now? Mm-hmm. Um, Can you give an example of that? I think it's because obviously like, yeah. I think that's really powerful what you're hitting on because like what we're not saying is that you can't have good days and bad days and mm-hmm. you know, bad days or you can't celebrate your wins or but we're talking about like the extremes of yeah like almost like the superhero version of you versus like feeling like these extreme kind of things yes so yeah like what would be an example of how you catch yourself in a shame high like Mm. and how like you can be aware that it's a shame high yeah I mean I think for me the defining thing is a shame high with any shame it is attaching my self-worth to what I'm doing my my identity and judging who I am and so like I I love to have wins in life I love to have successes a project Mm. that goes well a happy client and yes like you said I think that is natural to it's natural to to be more excited when something goes well and to face disappointment when something doesn't but for me the catcher is is my identity yeah. entwined with this? Did I decide, oh, this client liked my work, so now I am successful? Yes. Or, oh, this client rejected me, so now I am a failure? Mm. And, and I think it's just, it's a different feeling. It's a more, like you said, a more dramatic feeling when your identity is up for grabs with the wow. whatever's happening. Yes. Um, and honestly, I see this come up all the time in design. For me in design, it comes yeah. up. Um, and I think, like, I can always tell I'm in a shame high. Um, if, I, if I have a day where everything goes really well and my clients love my work and I have a bunch of successes, I'll get done with the day. And if I'm not at a place where I'm settled in my identity, I will feel like an exaggerated through-the-roof feeling. Yes. I'm amazing! Yes. I finally succeeded! The yes. world sees me, and now I know I'm a good designer. Yeah. It's like this inner dialogue for me of of almost putting myself up on a pedestal. Um, it's almost like this superhero, like you said, perfect version of Brianna, perfect version of myself. And it's like I, I feel invincible, because I have done all of these things or mm-hmm. I've been recognized in all of these ways. And so in those moments for me, I'm learning to, to take myself off of the pedestal, not to stop celebrating that I had a good day, but to stop letting it affect my identity. Yes. And, um, I had, I had a counseling session with uh, my counselor recently and she, she talked to me about this where she was like, Brianna, you you still have so many shame highs and, sh- and shame lows because when you validate yourself, you're actually just validating all the good things you did. Mm. And when you do that, you actually send your heart the subconscious message that when you don't do those good things, you're bad. And so even in your validation, you're just, you're just validating the good, bad system inside of you. Mm. And that's shame. This thing that says, I'm good if I did this, I'm bad if I didn't do this, that's that's actually the sh- system of shame. And so she encouraged me to start shifting my dialogue into, um, into validating my identity more mm-hmm. than what I'm doing, more than what I didn't do. And so an example of what that looks like for me, 
Like, I think in the past, if I had a huge success, um, if I presented work to a client and they loved it, I would leave feeling like I'm a success because this went well, or I'm a failure because this didn't go well. And what I'm learning to do is to actually validate who I am in it. So what that would look like is, um, is more shifting my dialogue to, to my character qualities. Like mm. Brianna, I'm really proud of you because you were brave with your designs. You, you have bravery and, uh, and that caused you to take risks. And I'm really proud of that bravery. And Brianna, I'm really proud of you for how strategic you are. Like that's a character quality of mine. Mm-hmm. I love that you were strategic and that you thought things out with this project. Um, I love that you were curious and that your curiosity like led you to original work. And if I'm like validating actually who I am, then the meaning I have can go well or it can be a disaster and yeah. I might still experience joy or disappointment, but I'll come out of that meaning feeling like whichever way it went, my identity wasn't up for question. My identity was settled. Who I was, who I am was enough. And, and to me, that actually starts to break the system of shame. Like it starts to pull me out of the place where, where I'm feeling these extreme high and low swings and it brings more balance Yes. because if I can be settled in my self-worth, whether I'm failing or succeeding, then everything goes from feeling very high stakes to much lower stakes because I always get to, I always get to love myself and I always get to be with myself in it. Yes. That's so good. And I think just to kind of pull from what you're saying, you're really saying that like how to move through living these this lifestyle of extreme highs and lows we actually need to become aware of how shame shame shows up for us like so awareness is key but then it sounds like you are very intentional with your internal dialogue like how you talk yes. to yourself can you explain a little bit about um and there's self-compassion practices self-talk practices but what does that look like for you in helping you stay connected to your truest self yeah, I mean, I think I do I do a lot of journaling, that's true, and a yeah. lot of, like, for me, it's a lot of self-reflection, um, mm-hmm. and so it might be journaling, like, hey, I noticed I've been really hard on myself the last few days, or hey, I noticed so that good. I've been swinging a lot this week, um, and it's a lot of asking my heart questions, um, a lot of asking, like, what was going on there? What insecurity yeah. were you feeling? And mm. then just waiting until I, until something pops into my head and, yes. and like finding answers from there. Um, I think it's also a lot of self-talk or self-parenting yes. almost. Um, yes. Because really like when we're feeling, when our identity is in all of those things, what that is, is like our our child self showing up, um, Mm -hmm. the pains we had in childhood, the unresolved parts of ourselves. And so a lot of times I'm, I'm like journaling, journaling, asking myself questions until I get to, I can get to the point, like, what was I feeling? What Mm -hmm. am I feeling? And for me, it's usually those like vulnerable, almost kid emotions of like, I don't feel worthy Mm -hmm. or I don't feel seen or I feel like I'm always trying, but I'm never good enough. Like mm-hmm. I try to um, ask questions until I can get to a vulnerable emotion like that yes. of what's actually going on underneath the surface. I think it's so easy to stop at the surface to be like, 
well, I just feel like a failure because no one likes me and Mm -hmm. to stop right there, you Mm -hmm. know? And it takes a lot more work and a lot more vulnerability to push past that and to, to ask myself why, yes, why do I feel that way? Where did that come from? Where did that show up for me as a kid? What are my earliest memories with this? Because so often our, our pains and our shame come from deep places from often from like developmental childhood years. And so I try to keep like going and pressing with the feeling until I can get to those vulnerable feelings. And then in that space, that's when I can actually like validate myself. Mm-hmm. If my feelings are, I'm so afraid of never being seen, that's when I can actually be compassionate towards myself and say like, you know what? I see you. I choose yes. to see you and I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that you've never felt seen before, but I actually want to be with you here. Um, so for me, it's a lot of, like the reflection is a lot of that. Yes. It's mm-hmm. so powerful because I think we're all retraining ourselves from living so external and by our circumstances. So if someone says I'm good, then I'm good. But we actually don't realize we have the power to tell ourselves that we're good. Yeah. And like, actually we, we can actually give ourselves the attention that we're looking for outside externally. And I think that that's super helpful for people to hear, like just practically what that looks like. Um, I'd love to know a, just, uh, an example of like, cause I think all our worst fear, especially in the workplace and there being, you know, workplace is such a vulnerable place because it's where we trade our time for money. And so it just brings up the question of value. So a lot of people get triggered. The big trigger is around mistakes. Mm. So tell me a little bit about how you've moved through mistakes or failures as a creative. Yeah, that's a great question. And I mean, honestly, I have mistakes and failures all the time. And (laughs) I think that one of the best things I've been able to like, um, to come to see is that failure actually as a designer, it failure is a friend. Like failure is something that teaches me, that helps me to grow. Um, and it's actually, I think an inevitable part of the creative process. Like if you're never failing, you're probably staying too small or you're probably not taking risks or pushing yourself. Mm. And so, um, I've had this come up a lot. Uh, the last few years, I think a big thing has been, um, in learning a new skill. And for me, like when, when I was in my early twenties and I tried hand lettering, I just pushed myself to perfectionism so hard that I shut down all of my love there. And, um, just a few years ago, I had that similar spark inside of me, that spark to try something new, to be vulnerable with it. And for me, that was illustration. All of a sudden, I felt like I just wanted to illustrate anything and everything. People, mountains, cities, whatever it was, I just wanted to draw. And I think there's this vulnerability in in design where um, at this point in my career, like I had a distinct, more of a distinct style. And I did a lot of clean like logos and things on the computer and illustration didn't really pair well with that. And I think, and I had also gotten to a place where, um, where like I was more known for this one kind of work. And so to try something new and something that I might be bad at felt very, very vulnerable. And I think that earlier, um, 
earlier in my 20s, earlier in my career, I think the fear of failing with that or the fear of looking stupid or putting bad work out there, I think it would have silenced me. And mm. I think it would have gotten me to a place where I couldn't try a new skill. Um, but thankfully, I've invested a lot of time in my 20s to healing and to learning mm. self-compassion. And so I had the spark for illustration and I actually like was able to embrace that vulnerability and that messiness and to just try things, like try things that sucked, try things that looked horrible and put myself out there with it. And there were times that were really vulnerable. Like um, I have all these like design accounts that I post things to and and when I first started posting illustration stuff, I mean, they weren't they weren't great. I was just playing with a new skill. And so I would lose followers on that on those accounts and people who used to engage with me just totally stopped. And yeah. it's easy to see that and to be like, oh well, people don't like this. Like mm. people wish I was doing the old stuff. People were really on board with my style before and now they're not. Um And I think that most people, like, when you're stuck in shame and you experience that kind of response, it's easy to be like, well, this just isn't, obviously this isn't a success, so I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, too, even, because I think, like, I'm not naturally the best illustrator. Like, it takes me a long time to figure out what something should look like, and all of my first tries at it are usually terrible. But I've learned that I'm okay with failure. I'm okay with trying again and again and again. I'm okay with the vulnerability of it until I can get to a point where I can actually make something that is beautiful or that Mm -hmm. I'm proud of. And it's just, it's interesting because I think that I've seen so many designers um, stay small or stay in their lane because they have one area they feel successful with or one thing they can do. And and the vulnerability of trying a new messy skill and maybe failing or maybe mm-hmm. um looking stupid doing it feels too big and so they and so they're silenced and never step out and i at times have been that designer a lot of times i've been that yeah. designer <laughs> but i'm learning to get to this place where i'm okay with looking silly because i actually want to build something new and i want to push myself i want I want to play and to have curiosity be the thing that leads me. Um, So yeah, that's so cool. And especially if you're, if you're choosing to let go of that operating system of good and bad and right and wrong, Mm -hmm. you can cultivate more curiosity and it's not as high stakes in your soul because your, your identity is not up for grabs. Mm -hmm. If you make a mistake, it's just like, Oh, I learned. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So it's so awesome. Um, I'd love to know because we're the next brave thing podcast. What does what's your next brave thing? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Such a squirmy question, <laughs> it is isn't a it? Squirmy question. <laughs> yes. So I am in the middle of a next brave thing here right now, which is that um, recently I left my job, and for me. Probably for most people, having a job is a big like comfort zone. I love to have a job. Yes. I love to have consistent income and something I do every day. Um, but I left my job and I also uh, felt very strongly like I should not take on freelance projects or extra work right now, which for me is really terrifying because again, like 
I think there's this thing in me that wants to doubt myself or my own ability to do something. So I want to say yes to every opportunity that comes along. Um, But I have really felt in this season, like I'm supposed to um, take a break from a full-time job, take a break from, from all of the freelance work and actually invest in some of my own design dreams. Um, And I, and I think it's vulnerable because I'm still figuring that out too. Like I've had dreams of creating design products or Mm -hmm. prints or like my own design name. And, um, and I don't totally know what that looks like yet. So there's a lot of uncertainty, but I feel like this season is one where I am intentionally uncomfortably making space for myself and taking a little break from the everyday grind of working for someone else and almost even the security that that brings. Um, and I am, yeah, I am taking the vulnerability to actually ask myself, what do I want to build? What Mm. would it look like? Is it products? Is it something else? Is it my own company? Mm -hmm. And I've felt these dreams inside of me for a long time and always, um, my own fear has, has caused me to put them on the back burner. I think that, I think I do that a lot in life where it's like, something feels so vulnerable that I'm like, well, I just won't look at it. Or, well, yeah. maybe like 10 years from now I'll do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. um, and I feel like the situations have just kind of aligned where it feels like, oh no, right now is the time to look at that. Which is this very like cringy feeling inside of me. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that is what choosing bravery looks like for me right now. And, and it's vulnerable to say I have no answers and I don't totally know what's going to come out of this season, but I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, and that's where the magic happens. That's where the magic happens. But I just love, like, even in hearing that and you working through shame, because shame's such a big voice that holds us back and keeps us small. And mm-hmm. um, I love that you've been able to work out, like, what shame looks like so that you can actually hear your own voice and figure out what you want. Because yeah. a lot of people don't know what they want because their attention is so much on shame or so much on the voices of other people, the voices of their professors. And so I love that you're making space for yourself. I feel like that's the biggest hug that you can give yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So true. A very uncomfortable hug. (laughs) A very uncomfortable hug. And I just, yeah, I can feel like just you operating in that space of bravery is going to be really rewarding. So I can't wait to see what happens. Thank you, Ella. Yes. So thank you so much for coming on today. And yeah, it's been such a fun to have you in my class as well. You bring (laughs) such wisdom to our creatives. So yeah, thanks for joining me. Yes, thank you. Yay. Thank you for listening today. You can follow us at the Next Brave Thing podcast on Instagram and make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you would like to book in a live consulting session with me, feel free to go to my website at www.ella-hooper.com for more information.